Good morning, everyone. This is Pastor Troy Bond with the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. Coming to you live this morning from sunny central Florida, right here from the offices of the Raven Ministries International. If you're joining us for the very first time, this is the, the ministry of Raven Ministries International. You can get more information on the ministry by going to www.biggrace.com. That's www.biggrace.com. Can you spell Big Grace this morning? But folks, if you want to know more about that, uh, I really encourage you to go. You'll find out a lot of information on the ministry of Raven Ministries International and on what we do here with the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. What we're involved in here today, if you're joining us for the very first time, we're in the middle of an expository teaching on the book of Romans. And we are class number 167, I believe it is today, 167 hours of teaching on the book of Romans, and we're in the 12th chapter. If you have not been with us in the past, and you thought, well, I've missed out on all these hours of teaching. Well, you really had If you'll uh, email us at raven at biggrace.com, raven, R-A-V-E-N, at biggrace.com, we would love to send you an audio version of all of these uh, previous classes absolutely free of charge. No, um, no charge whatsoever. So we'd love you to uh, be a part of that. Also, if you're joining us in the live format, please hold off your dialogue, your chat, uh, uh, questions until after the top of the hour, then I will stay and answer those. If you begin to chat, what it does, it distracts from the um, uh, from the, the directive that we're doing in studying the Word, and we'll have to actually uh, ask you to, to quiet that down or to ask you to go somewhere else. And But we'll, like I said, we'll answer any of those questions in their entirety after the top of the hour, and I can even give you the Skype number, and you can call in, and we'll answer questions regarding our teachings to uh, the book of Romans here or any other questions regarding uh, the Word of God. Now, if you're looking for a debate, this is the wrong place because we believe that it was settled 2,000 years ago when Jesus died on the cross and three days later got up. So the debate has been settled, but if you want some answers from the Word of God regarding uh, issues that you may have, love to answer those things, pray with you or whatever else. Speaking of prayer, if you have any questions uh, or prayer requests, you can actually send those in to pray at biggrace.com, P-R-A-Y at biggrace.com. We actually pray um, each morning from 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We do that here live as well. And so you can join us, or if you'd just like us to lift up uh, your need or your situation in prayer, we would so much love to do that. We're already seeing God do some tremendous things as we seek Him. We know that, that when His people seek Him, they find Him, and that the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much. So we just thank God for the opportunity to come and seek Him early in the morning and to call upon Him while He is near. So once again, thank you so much for, for joining us today. That uh, as we lift up the Word of God, and uh, I really want to get a ex- discovery into that. And really what we're here for is not to fill our head. Uh, our, our, what we're here for is to fill up heaven. Our desire is to lift up the name of Jesus and to instruct us in the ways of righteousness, to make us more effective in bringing people unto him. We're not trying to build up our ministry or our name or anything else. If you forget my name, if you forget Raven Ministries, that's absolutely fine. Uh, but what we want you to do is remember Jesus and to, to know him and to, to be able to allow the word of God to speak and to move in your life in a powerful way. So once again, good to have you here. And again, go check out that website, biggrace.com, and you'll find out more of what we're doing, not just here in, in Central Florida, but throughout the United States, Canada, and rapidly going around the world as well. We love you and we want to know what you're doing, so uh, write us and testify what's going on in your life as well. Or maybe God's showing you something out of the Word that you want to instruct and, and tell us about that maybe we haven't looked at. We'd love to do that because we don't believe we're the end all. Uh, to it, but we want we want to do is invest in you what God has invested in us freely. We've received, and so freely we give. So let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Let's ask for His blessing and directive uh, uh, on today's uh, teaching, and as well we we always pray for the sick 
those that have been sick in, in their bodies or whatever else, and believing that God is going to touch and heal them as well because He has made provision for that through His blood and through the cross of Calvary. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just come to You boldly, Lord God. We come to You as Your children, Lord God. People who have been bought with a price. Lord God, who have been redeemed from the curse of the law. Lord God, who have been given new names, Lord God, and new lives, Lord God, and a new, a new history, Lord God, and a new future at the same time. Father, I thank you, Lord God, that our lives are no longer our own, but we have been bought with that price, Lord Jesus. We've been adopted under the beloved, and we've been made to be heirs together with Christ Jesus. And so today as we gather, Lord God, we gather under that one name, Lord God, that, that name which is above every name, Lord God, at the name of Jesus, Lord God, that every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ. Christ is Lord. Father, I thank you that we serve the one God. Father, who didn't say, come to me, but who came to us. He came in the incarnation. He loved us so much that he came and he dwelt among us, Lord God. And that, Father, that, 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 that when your son Jesus came, Lord God, the embodiment of, of the Godhead, that he came, Lord God, he dwelt among us and he laid down his life. Lord God, all other gods are always saying, die for me. But he said, let me die for you. And, Father, I thank you. That's what distinguishes us, Lord God, from anyone else. That not only that, that Lord God, that you were willing to come and die, but that you rose again from the, de- the grave, Lord God. All others, Lord God, have died and they never got back up. But Jesus Christ rose again, Lord God, and, and, and walked among us for, for 40 days following, Lord God, in the dusty streets of Jerusalem, witnessed by over 500 witnesses, Lord God, and he ascended, Lord God, to the right hand of power, and one day he's coming back, Lord God, for his church without spot or blemish, to anyone that would call upon his name, and the word of God says that every eye shall see him, Lord God, they shall behold him, Lord God, in the air, and we, Lord God, know at that point... Father, that we'll either, Lord God, declare who you are in righteousness on our way to heaven or declare who you are, Lord God, in rebellion on our way to hell. But, Father, we just ask right now in the name of Jesus that righteousness, Lord God, would exalt nations. That, Father, as we put our faith in you, Lord God, and are transformed, Lord God, by the renewing of our minds, Lord God, and the washing and the regeneration of the word, Father, that you change and transform us, Lord God, as we come to you in faith, Lord God, in humility, knowing that your grace is sufficient for us, Lord God, and that we're saved by that grace through faith, Lord God, not of our own works, Lord God, lest any man should boast that it's a free gift of God. And so, Father, we thank you, Lord God, that today that we do have access by what Jesus has done, Lord God. And our self-righteousness, Lord God, is like filthy rags, but it's your righteousness that we put on, Lord God, not the works of our own hands or the works of our own hearts or our ability, Lord God, to achieve, Lord God, some type of mentality, Lord God, or some type of place. But, Lord God, what we've done is we've come and denied ourselves, taken up our cross and followed after you because we've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, we live, but it's not we who live, but it's Christ who lives in us. And so, Father, we thank you today that we are the temples of the Holy Spirit. And, Lord God, he dwells inside of us, Lord God, to empower and strengthen us, to change and transform us, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. And, Father, we just pray, Lord God, Father, for David right now as this request is going up here, Lord God, for salvation. Father, we pray for David, Lord God, that that you would just convict his heart, Lord God, of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Lord God, that you would just reveal that you're the only way, the only truth, and the only life. Lord God, there's no way to you, Lord God, but through your son Jesus, Lord God. That there's not many ways or many roads, Lord God. That there's one solitary sacrifice and one solitary way, Lord God, that paved the way for every man. And the word says that whosoever will, Lord God, call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Father, I thank you that you made it easy, Lord God, that you didn't put all these different twists and turns, but you said there's just one way, and Jesus is that way. And so, Father, we pray that David, Lord God, would just come to the knowledge of you, that, Father, he'd come to the, the, re- the realization, the revelation, Lord God, of, the, of just how destitute he is, Lord God, regardless of what he's going through, how good or how bad it is, Lord God, that there's only one answer for David, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, speak to him, Lord God, convict him of sin, Lord God, reveal his plight, Lord God, and save him, Lord God, from the wrath to come. And, Father, others, Lord God, that we know, that we love, that are, that are lost and dying, 
Father, we pray, Lord God, that you would bring conviction and give us the word, Lord God, to speak of them, Lord God, because you've give, you've called us as ministers of reconciliation, but you've also entrusted us, Lord God, with the word of reconciliation as well. And we pray, Lord God, that we would be, Lord God, uh, rightly handle that word, Lord God, we deliver that word, Lord God, to hearts and lives, Lord Jesus, that you put in our lives and our pathway. And Father, we ask that you would just bring, Lord God, harvest, Lord God, in these last days and send us forth, Lord God, as laborers under that harvest. And Father, finally, we pray for those that have been sick in their bodies. We ask for a touch from the Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ, we rebuke all sickness and disease, Lord God. Even as you said, the things that, that you do, we'll do greater works because you go to be with the Father. And Jesus went about healing all manner of sickness and disease. Lord God, he didn't send some away sick and some away well, Lord God. He healed all of their sickness and all their diseases, Lord God. And Father, I thank you that the same Jesus, Lord God, that was there then, and the same Spirit that raised him up from the dead dwells in us, and it'll quicken our mortal bodies, Lord God. It'll empower us, Lord God, to move, Lord God, on his behalf as his ambassadors for Christ Jesus. And we pray for those that are sick, Lord God, as we pray for them. We lay hands on them, Lord God, as we touch and agree, Lord God, with the Spirit of God to minister to their life, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, Lord God. And everyone said, Amen. Amen, amen, and amen. Praise be unto God. Folks, I hope everyone had a good weekend this past week. You know, uh, we had a great time here in, uh, in, in Daytona Beach, Florida. You know, we have a lot of traffic, so to speak, that comes in in, a, in about a three-month period that's really heavy in comparison to when it always is. There's always people coming in because, obviously, this is kind of a destination <clears throat> for people. The beaches and all these things like that. They call it the world's most famous beach, the, the birthplace of speed with the NASCAR uh, founders here. <clears throat> but, uh, but we got these events. You know, it starts out with, like, Speed Week and Bike Week and... Then we get about three, four weeks of spring break. Then the first weekend in April is what they call BCR, which is Black College Reunion, which basically consists of a lot of the traditional black colleges uh, come together for the, uh, basically their spring break. And uh, But it was a tremendous time. We went out this past weekend, Friday and Saturday, and you know thousands of young people, college-aged, uh, high school-aged even, that are out there, and even some older than that. And just begin to see God do some tremendous things. You know, you get out there and you put yourself in a position for the miraculous. You put yourself in a position to be able to speak into people's lives. And sometimes it's, it's interesting how perplexed people are. You know, you're standing out in front of a nightclub that's got thousands of, of young people out there waiting to get in and do whatever they're going to do when they get in. And you begin to confront them with the gospel and it's almost like they're just taken aback. You know, they're used to their traditional setting of, you know, you're in there and you got the, the preacher in the robe with the Hammond B3 organ uh, strumming behind him and beating in perfect harmony and, the, and the, you know, the 50-voice choir, and etc. But when you put them in that environment and when it's light coming into darkness, sometimes it's, they, it's almost like they have to shake their head in disbelief. But folks, that's where God's called us to go. He hasn't called us to, to hide behind the cozy confines of the stained glass window and the padded pews. He's called us to go into the highways and the, and the, and the byways and, and to compel them to come that his house may be filled. Not the church building, but that the kingdom may be filled with souls that are coming to repentance. And so we had a tremendous time out there. And you know what? I know many others that were, were out on the streets and our teams all across the, the United States, from really from east to the west coast, preaching the gospel. And, and I know there's a lot of testimonies. Love to hear about those. Be sure and send those to Pastor Troy at BigGrace.com, PastorTroyAtBigGrace.com. And we'd like to post those and, and hear about what's happening in your neck of the woods as well. So praise God for these opportunities. And I'm just believing that, that, that a lot of the, the, the lives that were touched and the seeds that were sown are going to produce a lot of fruit in people's lives as well. But, you know, folks, but to get there, we've got to get here. 
You know what I'm saying? To be able to go out and, and, and to preach the gospel, to really even have the, the desire and the urgency, you first got to come to this place. And I think what's happened is, is within the, 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 the church, so to speak, and I use that, that is the generic term for people that quote unquote go to church or they claim a relationship with God, the, the, the church has, has, has deviated from this word. We, we know we talk about it out of 2 Timothy chapter 4 verses 1 through 6, that the time's going to come when men will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust, their own desires, that they'll heap to themselves teachers because they have itching ears. It says they'll turn their ears away from the truth and they'll be turned into fables. But it tells us to, to, to endure afflictions, to do the work of an evangelist, to make full proof of our ministry. Folks, listen, when, when we don't get into the Word and allow the Word to speak to us, we never have an urgency to go and touch lives. We really don't. We think that it's fine to go punch our, our, our spiritual clock on a Sunday or a Wednesday night and to go through the motions. And we think it's always someone else's job. Until you begin to read the Word, then you find out just how critical it is, how everything about the ministry of Jesus was about taking the Word. That He came for one reason, to seek and to save that which was lost. For God loved the world that He gave His Son, that whoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. Folks, it focuses on eternity. So why is it that, that much of what the modern day church focuses on is on the temporal? It's on what they can build, what they can do, what they can accomplish now, rather than focusing on eternity. And if you look in most churches, you'll find that the, the, the biggest percentage of, of, of the work, the ministry, the resources go to basically just tending those that are there, basically shining the shoes of those that are in the church is what I call it, and, and really no going out in the preparation of the gospel of peace to win the lost. And it's so upside down uh, compared to what the Lord Jesus Christ hung upon a cross, died, and rose again for. It's so much different than what you see when you look at the book of Acts or literally all of the, 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 the epistles and the gospels and see what the, 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 the church of old did and what their focus was. Folks, listen, our, our call and commission is going to warn them to flee from the wrath to come. But how will they know unless we preach? How can we preach? Unless we're sent, how can they hear without a preacher? They need us to do this. And folks, as you get into the Word and the Word of God begins to deal with you, you really see that urgency that God is requiring us all to be those ministers of reconciliation that, that even as he prayed that, that prayer in, in the ninth chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, that, Lord, I pray that you'd send forth labors under the harvest because the harvest is indeed is plenteous, but the labors are few. You know, we had a good group of folks out there this past weekend, but we could have used two or three hundred people out there. And it could have literally changed an environment in that. And, and folks, I, I think to myself, what if the body of Christ gets together and begins to do those things, working in lockstep and in unity and in holiness and power? Man, we could begin to see God do some tremendous, tremendous things in our city streets and neighborhoods. But we just got to wake up to, to the call and wake up to the responsibility that God has given us to do those things. But the only way we're going to do that is to allow ourselves to get into the Word and not just be hearers of the Word, as James says, but doers of the Word. Don't just sit and listen, but actually take and do something. Otherwise, this Word that is meant to build you up is only going to uh, uh, condemn you on the day. If you hear it and you know it, to them where much is given, much more is required. So if you think you can just sit and listen all the time and ingest these things and just get fat and happy on the Word and God's not going to hold you accountable, uh, you've got another thing coming. So if you don't plan on doing anything with this, I just encourage you to log off and don't ever come back. Because you're just heaping more coals of fire upon your own head. And you're, you're just heaping judgment upon yourself on, upon that day. And so, run, plug your ears, don't listen. Because all we're about is lifting up Jesus and going out and touching other people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you think you're going to hear something that's going to fill up your pockets... Sign off and find somewhere else to go. If you think you're going to find something that's going to pat you on the back and tell you how wonderful you are, and uh, you're probably not going to find it here. We don't believe God's got just a wonderful plan for your life, that he's got a wonderful plan for your death. 
that we've got to decrease, that Jesus Christ might increase. This is Jesus' time. This is the time to lift up the Word of God. And so that's what we're all about. Sometimes I've got to stop and just say that because people get a misperception of what things are all about or they get this uh, look at what the church is because they see it through their eyes or through their experience or their traditions. Folks, listen, the church is all about lifting up the name of Jesus, getting built up and discipled and mentored in Him and going out and impacting the world for that cause. So if you're not doing it, you need to repent and believe the gospel and, and do what he has said. Folks, we've been looking at what is possibly, that I would say is probably one of the most powerful and revealing, probably opening salvos of Scripture and just how the believer is able to walk out the doctrinal truths that are given to us throughout the Word of God. You know, we, we can look in the Word and we can see the requirements and we can see what he's asking us to do and those desires. But eventually you've got to come to the place where you're saying, okay, how do I do that? What is What does he require of me as his follower, what, how, how am I going to get to that place of it just being information and going to a place of application? How can, I, how can I get out and see the manifestation of everything that I've ingested into my life, maybe through, through weeks or years, in some of you guys' cases, that have, that have sat in churches or read the Bible yourself or sat under ministries, or however you want to put it, and you've, you've, you've taken in all these things. So, God, what, how am I going to actually go and apply these things that you've invested in my life? <clears throat> Folks, many people have heard the truth. And have even really expressed a, a desire to walk in the truth, but just have never been able to actually do it. I see it all the time. You know, you see people that, that, are, are, that seem so genuine. They seem so uh, sincere. They seem like they, they have a legitimate desire after the things of God. But they never actually go do it. And I, I know many of you that, that I know that are here with us live, you, you talk about, hey, somebody came and talked to me. They want to do this. They want to get set free. They want to go preach the gospel. And maybe I'll talk to you later. Hey, household such and such. Well, you know what? They're just not doing it. Well, you know, were they insincere? No, I believe they were probably sincere, but they were—they just sincerely did not actually know how to walk that walk out. And so there's a, like I said, there's a lot of good inspiration, but there's not a lot of great application going on there. And so they often become frustrated, really, in their inability to do the things that have been instructed uh, uh, in and in, 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 in the Word of God. And because of their inability to do these things that are, that are just clearly stated in the Scripture, what ended up happening is they begin to just abandon the, the, the commands and the precepts that God's Word has given them. And so they become discouraged. They become disenfranchised with the Word. They, come, they, they become, feel like they're alienated from it. And so they end up saying things like this. And I'm sure you said, heard said like this. And maybe at one time or another you said things like this. That, you know, they, because they can't walk it out, because they cannot see the victory, can't, because they cannot see the, the, what God bringing them to a place of understanding maturity, they'll say stuff like, here's, here's probably the, 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 the biggest one, the most popular one. Well, I'm just a, a, an old sinner saved by grace, and everyone is going to sin because we're only human. Now, how many times have you heard that? You can go into the most uh, sincere uh, Baptist churches, so to speak, or whatever. I'm not just picking on them. But you, you'll hear things like that coming across pulpits, and they're sincere in it. That we're just these old sinners saved by grace. Everyone's probably going to sin because we're just human. Folks, listen. If I'm talking to believers today, you are not only human. Do I need to tell you that twice? You are not only human. I'm just not just a mere man. I'm just not just this old, poor, wretched individual anymore. To be only human is to be a lost person still under, literally, the dominion and control of the sin nature. But to be a born-again believer, to be the 2 Corinthians 5.17, new creature in Christ Jesus, to be a saved person is to 
be to have put literally upon the divine nature of Christ Jesus through faith in the finished work of the cross, and now having passed from a life of death into a life of, 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 of a place of life, and it's it, it's knowing that with every temptation that comes upon us, that there He's provided a way of escape. Every situation He's given us the ability to overcome. Any any conflict He's He's brought resolution to to the Spirit of God. Any anything that would that would try to to entice me. God has brought a victory over those things. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Faith is what? Faith is the moral conviction of the truthfulness of God. If I walk in accordance with this, what can I walk? I can walk like He walked. I can talk like He talked. I can move like He moved. Why? Because I am in Christ. And Christ is my glory. He's the lifter of my head. He's the empowerment of my life. You know, I've asked many times, preaching here and there, I'll ask a group of folks, you know, how many perfect people do we have out there? And, you know, invariably, no one will raise their hand. If, if anybody's been around me, they'll raise their hand because they know what's coming. Folks, listen, what, what they're saying is, is they really don't know what the Scripture teaches. If we're in Christ Jesus, we've been perfected in Christ Jesus. Does that mean that every single thing that we do is, is right? No, because your perfection is not based upon what you do. It's based upon what Jesus Christ has done. But as long as we can say those things like, you know, I'm just this and that, what we've done is we've lowered the standard. And so our expectancy is failure. Well, if I say things like, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace, what is my expectancy? What is my faith level? My, my, my expectancy is that I'm going to mess up. But if I say and believe what the Word teaches, that I've been perfected in Christ Jesus. He is brought perfect. Matter of fact, let me read the Scripture to you real quick if I can find it. It's out of, uh, I think, 1 Peter chapter 5. I think I'm going to find it real quick. It's uh, 510, 1 Peter 510. It says, But the God of all grace, how are we saved? We're saved by grace through faith, lest any man should boast, who has called us into eternal glory by Jesus Christ, after we have suffered a while, after we've gone through some things. Folks, you're going to suffer trials. You're going to suffer things in this life. And he says, after you've suffered a while, he says, to make you perfect. What does he want to make you? He wants to make you perfect. He don't want to make you some old sinner uh, uh, saved by grace. To make you perfect, to establish you, to strengthen you, and to settle you. Folks, that doesn't sound like a wishy-washy walk. That sounds like something that's been established, that's been perfected, it's been settled in us. How? Through grace. Grace is not designed to give you an occasion for sin or an occasion for the flesh. Grace is designed to bring you to righteousness and in, 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 in perfection in Christ Jesus, not based upon your ability, but based upon the ability of the Spirit of God that dwells inside of you. But once again, we, the, the, there's been this mis, this 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 misteaching that's gone forth so often that really just uh, basically just destines people for a life of misery and a life of sin and a life of backsliding. Or people say stuff like this. If, if, if they don't push that one or if they, go, if they lived in that one for a while, then they have to find something else to follow on. And they'll say stuff like this. They'll say the Bible is not a reliable source because it was written by men and it's, always, it's been changed so many times over the years and you just cannot depend upon what it says. Folks, I hear people on the streets as I minister, and I hear people in conversations that I'm talking with that claim to be believers, but do not put any reliability in the Word of God. Why? Because when they say they're a believer and you begin to hold them to the standard of what the Word says, what do they have to do? They have to flee because you tell them, listen, you call yourself a believer? Okay, let's see what the definition of a believer in the Word is. Let's see what he calls a believer. Let's see what, what his instruction is as a believer. Let's, let's see... Uh, what he's going to demand out of you as a believer. And so as you begin to, to call them to that place of repentance, you call them to the place of, of walking in righteousness, what ends up happening? They don't want to do it. Why? Because it flies in the face of everything that they've previously thought and they've previously done in their lives. And so, folks, listen. 
we, 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 the, the, the Word of God was not written by men. The Scripture says it was written by holy men of old who had the Word of God breathed upon them by God Himself. And so, these 1,179 chapters, 31,101 verses, containing the 66 books that are combined to be our canon of Scripture, listen, they, they represent God breathing it, for, written on four co- continents by, by over 40 authors uh, in, in over a course of about 1,600 years, from front to back, literally. What they provide for us is a blueprint for the victorious life, and they stand without contradiction, they stand without a successful challenge, they stand without any other writing of, of any other religion or any other type of document that can compare to it in historical accuracy or transforming power. And so when somebody says that, well, there's these contradictions, I call them out all the time. Well, just give me one. And never have I ever had somebody be able to give me even a solitary one that they went, well, there's so many. I said, well, if there's so many, just give me one and I'll answer that for you. And you end, they end up standing there with egg on their face because the only reason they're saying this is because they've heard somebody else say that and they thought it was out. They, I guess they think for a second that, that I'm going to go, oh, shucks, you know, you're right. There are a lot of inaccuracies in this word. Folks, listen, there's not. This is the word of truth that God has given us. It's that theonustos. It's God breathed upon it. And, and finally, what they'll say, if, they, if you don't buy that one, they'll go to the point of, they'll say it's only meant to be an allegorical book and each one must discover their own way or the interpretation of it. You see that in, in this, uh, this demon-possessed woman on television named Oprah Winfrey. And you might think that's strong language, but you begin to look. Go pull YouTube up and pull Oprah, some of the stuff that she's saying. You know, it's, a, it's that subtlety. And she's talking about, you know, God can be called anything. He can be called light. He can be called this and that. But she's seduced people for years and years and years. They're giving away free cars and doing these benef- uh, the bene- a benefactor to, to, to African schools or whatever else. But what she preaches is a doctrine. And I say preaching because now she does a, they have a live webcast which is uh, attracting like 200 million people uh, on, a, on, a, on a daily basis on, through the Internet. And uh, it's, it's ridiculous because it's totally new age. It's totally uh, demonized. And if you're watching that, I really warn you because the Word talks about, and I may just have to flip to that real quick. I don't want to get on this, this subject too long, but it really ties into everything that, that he's teaching us in the Word of God. But it says this. It says they'll have a form of godliness. Uh, this is out of, uh, out of 2 Timothy chapter 3. It says they'll have a form of godliness, but they'll deny the power thereof from such turn away. He says they'll talk about it. They'll use the, some of the same language. They'll talk about believing all these things, and you'll see it on her program. But it says that uh, they deny the power. What's the power? It's the power of the resurrection. It's the power of who God is. It's the power of the Holy Spirit to change and transform lives. It says from such turn away. What does that mean? It means that don't turn that mess on. It's, it means do not, uh, do not watch that stuff. Say, well, it's just a really neat little program she's doing talking about. Don't, it says from such turn away. Why? Because verse 6 says, For this is the sort which creep into houses and lead silly women captive, laden with sins, led away by divers' lust. What does it appeal to? It appeals to the lust of the flesh. And so what does it do? You know, you talk about the 60 million, I believe, uh, 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 women that, that watch that program on a weekly basis. You know, who are they targeting? They're, they're, targeting, they're, they're targeting women at a time where they're uncovered by their spiritual authority in their home. So what do they do? They go in, they lead it away. Look at our audience. Who's it made up with? It's made up primarily of, of a female audience. And that's no knock against women, but that's the attack. Let's go to the weaker vessel and let's begin to appeal to their emotions. Let's show all these things that are going to stir them up. And, and no, God wouldn't do that. Or that. Folks, listen, that, that is exactly what the, uh, the enemy would do and bring them. So all these things, you know. But Second Peter chapter 1, verses 19 through 21 says this. It says, We have a more sure word of prophecy. 
What kind of word of prophecy? A more sure word of prophecy. Wherein do you do well that you take heed? Folks, listen, you would take heed. As unto the light that shines in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arises in your heart. He said, knowing first that this, there, that, that no prophecy of Scripture is, is for any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. We have a more sure word of prophecy. It is, it is stable. It is steadfast. It is firm. It is strong. But folks, listen. But those who speak otherwise just simply have either refused to read or have refused to take heed to these 21 verses of how to apply the doctrines which have been given to each and every single one of us. Folks, listen. You can do what he tells us to do. You can walk in these things if you do it the way that God has instructed in the Word. And Lucy's right on. Lack of spiritual authority in the home. And you see that with the breakdown of the family. You see the, the, the separation, the divorce rate, which is just astronomical. And the enemy has really perpetuated that over the, uh, over the, 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 the last few decades. It really, the order to break that down, that there's no, there's no protection for either one. Either one. The, 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 the woman has no covering and the man has no help me. He had, they, neither one of them have anybody. The word tells us that two is better than one and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. And it makes it tough in those situations. So the enemy has been very, very deliberate in those attacks. And so, Romans 12, 1 and 2, and like I said, these are, Really kind of a, a, a revealing opening salvo of Scripture that shows us how we're to walk out the truths that He has given us. And so here's what it says. He says, I beseech you, I'm begging you, please, uh, uh, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you might prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so, folks, we know this. We know that God so loved the world. We know that he so loved the cosmos, that he sent his only begotten son to die for it, that he might destroy the work of the aeon world. So he loved the world filled with people that, that were, were lost and without hope, that he sent his son. But when his son came in, he came to, to, to change that, that other world, that A-I-O-N world that we talked about over in my life. That is, he, he came to this habitation of humanity to transform who I am and all my thoughts all of my understanding, all of my hope, all of my impulses, all of my aims, all of my aspirations. And folks, until he comes in and changes who you are, you'll continue to do things consistent with who you were. Do I need to say that again? Until the Spirit of God comes into your life to change who you are, you will always do things based upon who you were. And I can say, well, this is the way I was raised, or these are the hardship, or you don't know what I went through, or you don't know the difficulty or the abuse that I... Folks, as long as that's who you... You're, you're living for who you were, you're never going to be who you are going to be in Christ Jesus. That we've got to we've got to, to allow who we were to, to, to die and be buried and allow God to resurrect something in the newness of life that's going to bring glory and honor unto Him. And so that, that, that he'd done that to change every thought, every deed, every desire, anything that we would have in our life that would be contrary to, to serving and knowing him. And so that, uh, he, he, he came to prove and to see that my life meets the, really the specification. That's what that proved means. It means that your life is meeting the specifications or the criteria that have been given to us through the word of God. And, and what is that, that criteria? It's always going to be good. It's always going to be acceptable. It's always going to be perfect. It's always going to have those characteristics to it if I'm genuinely in the will of God. And so, are you walking in those specifications? I've asked this question before as well. You know, if you were accused of being a believer in an open court, if, if somebody accused you of being a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, would there be enough evidence to convict you in a court of law? 
Would there be enough uh, concrete evidence or would everything just be hearsay? Would it all just be circumstantial evidence? Well, are you a Christian? Well, you know what? I saw him going into a church. Well, you know, I can go walk into a bank. It doesn't make me a banker. I can move into a chicken coop. It doesn't make me a chicken. You know what I'm saying? And so would there be enough evidence in your life? Well, you know what? Uh, is there the smoking gun, so to speak, of your life? Is there the testimony of Jesus? Or would you just be a guilty by association? Would you think, well, just because I win or just because I was a part of this, I am. Folks, listen, we need to begin to build up biblical evidence on our behalf that's going to testify against, testify on our behalf on the day of judgment. You hear what I'm saying? There's got to be the evidentiary proof that's good and acceptable and perfect before God. And I think I need to say this at this point, that God doesn't have multiple wheels. You know, you get people praying all the time. He's, he's not a three-wheeler or a four-wheeler or an 18-wheeler. He's a one-wheeler. You know, he is the unicycle in our life that we set up on top of that wheel and, and he's able to take us. You know, he's, he, he, he's that Segway scooter that, that do, doesn't ever tip over, that it looks strange that we're able to get. Folks, he just got one will is all he has. And he has one will and that's that none should perish and that all should come to repentance. And so what you're going to see in this chapter is who this will is applied and approved through the lives and individuals in various ways. So he's got one will, but there's going to be various applications of that will. You know, I, I say this as as a, as, a, as a church planter, as a, as a pastor, and I, I've told people this for years, dating back when I was just in my early 20s planting, planting my first church. And I told them, listen, whether you're working in the nursery, whether you're working in the kitchen, whether you're cleaning the church, whether you're singing in the choir, everything that you do is strictly designed to bring people into the kingdom. Do you hear me? That's what it's for. Your, 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 your only job is to bring them into the kingdom. And so if you're working the nursery, you're there to help bring children into the kingdom. If you're working to clean the church, you're, you're there as, as you're going through your duties to do that to bring people into the kingdom. If you're raking the grass, you're, you're, you're out there and that's your tool of evangelism. You're going to say, God, how can you use this rake in my hand to open up a venue for me to preach the gospel? If God, if, if you're a business person, the reason that God has given you that business isn't just to, so you'll have a vacation home on Cape Cod. It, it's not so you'll have your own Learjet. It's not so you'll have a great retirement plant it's to bring people into the kingdom and if you're taking those things that god has given you and you're not using them for that purpose you are outside the will of god do you hear me you're 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 walking against his will and to walk contrary to his will is to walk in rebellion and so you can be as sincere you can be as moral you can be the sweetest person uh, in the whole world but if what you're doing is not specifically designed to bring people into the kingdom, then you are walking contrary to the will of God. Folks, listen, this world is not our own. We are strictly just sojourners in a strange land. And so whatever God has equipped you with, whatever gift, whatever talent, whatever ability, whether great, whether small, whether this or whether that, everything he's done is to make you effective in bringing people to the knowledge of Christ Jesus. If you're cutting hair in a barber shop, if you're serving uh, beans in, a, in, a, in a, an all-night diner, whatever it is, Everything that you do is unto the Lord, and everything that you do is to bring people to the Lord Jesus Christ. And folks, you just think about how how uh, how it would make it so much easier if the body fitly joined together, each one supplying the need of the other. If we would all begin to do our part, what God said, and we'd be mindful that wherever we're at, whatever we're doing, whether we're an entrance salesman, whether we're a, we're a banker, uh, whether we're a construction worker, everything God is doing is He is strategically placing His people in a multitude of, of daily situations. You hear what I'm saying? 
And so he's sending evangelists into the, into the banks. He's sending evangelists into the, into the construction site. He's sending evangelists uh, into, the, into the homes, into the nurseries, into the schools. All those things. He's sending us out there as the messengers of light to go and to preach the gospel. But what we've been told and what the, the, the world has done is, listen, there's a place for that, then there's a place for the world. No, folks, listen. We, God has sent us as lights into the world. But we are light, we are, it's like a city set up on a hill. But if, a, but if we put a bushel basket over that light, what happens? It's not seen. And so when, when people tell you about this separation of church and state, uh, folks, listen, you're not going to find that in the Word of God. The government shall be upon his shoulders, and to it there shall be no end. And what happens is our God is going to be, we sing, let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth right here as it is in heaven. And he's not taking votes. He's not running for office. He's not, he don't have a, a Republican or a Democratic primary. What is it? His name? Name is the only name on the ballot, and he's the one that that, that that sets policy. He's the one that establishes the agenda. And so, if we're going to do that will and know the the prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, we've got to first know what it is, and that's that we would be effective ministers of reconciliation to to the lost and dying of this world. And so. Regardless of the mechanism or the tool that he puts in your hand, the will or the end result is always the same, and that's to bring people to him. And if that will that you are pursuing has any other goal than that one, then it is not the will of God. It is not good, it's not acceptable, and it is not perfect. It is your own will. It's your own desire. And if that's what you want, you get after it. You do it. But uh, God help you on the day of judgment when you think that you're going to say, well, I did this and I did this, that. And he's going to look at you and say, well, I never knew you that worked lawlessness or iniquity. Depart from me. Folks, listen, what he wants us to do is to, uh, to strengthen those things that remain and to lay up treasure for ourselves, not here on earth where moth and dust corrupt and thieves break through and steal, but to lay them up in treasure, our treasures in heaven where moth and dust do not corrupt, thieves do not break through and steal. Why? Because where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And I want my treasure to be in heaven. That way my heart will be in heaven. That way it'll 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 be that, that evidentiary proof when I stand before him on that day of judgment. So that's what Paul's saying. Listen folks, I'm I'm begging you, I'm setting the stage. If you want to know how to walk in all these 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 truths that I'm giving you, this doctrine, the first thing that you've got to do is you've got to present yourself as a living sacrifice. You've got to lay it down. It's the it's the it's acceptable. It's it's reasonable. It's the reasonable thing for you to do for the one that gave his life for you now you've got to give your life for Him. And don't be trying to imitate the world. Don't say, well, you know, this, that's for Sunday or that's for this and that. That's for my mission trip. The rest of the time I'm going to just imitate the world. He said, do not do that. Do not do that, folks. He said, what you've got to be is transformed. You've got to be transfigured uh, into, into the image of Christ Jesus and begin to be a, a walking, talking demonstration of His power and His goodness and of His truth. That is the, the, what He has given unto you. And so, folks, in order to do that, that's when we're going to prove out what's that good, acceptable, and perfect will. And then he goes on in, cha- in, in chapter 4 and verse 3. And here's where we're going to kind of touch on this morning. And he says, For I say through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has, dwelt, has dealt to every man the measure of faith. For I say to you, what does he say? For through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. But to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Now that's pretty striking, isn't it? You know, Paul is, is putting things in perspective. He's landing on the line. He's saying, "Listen, I'm telling you something." And, and but I like what he says. He says he's, he's really bringing it all home in this instance. He's really personalizing other people, and, and he wants everybody to listen. So I, I hope you're listening. But the first thing he says right here, he says, "For I say through the grace given unto me." What, what do you mean he meant? What do you think he meant by that? For by the grace. 
that was given unto me. You know, some would say stuff like, well, it's just by the grace of God that I can do this or I can do that. And it's, it's you know, and, and really not even mean what, know what they mean by that statement. You know, well, man, I'm, that, that's such a blessing. Well, you know, it's just by the grace of God. And it becomes such a cliche. We say stuff like that. Well, what does it mean? You know, if, if nailed down, people might say something. Well, well, it just happened because God is sovereign and he's just watching out for me. And I didn't merit it, but, you know, he just had mercy and allowed me to do it anyway. Or, or some other type of psychological or misinterpreted view of what this means. Many people will take the whole, well, it's only by grace of God thing to a place where they just so artificially humble themselves. It becomes such a false humility that they just don't even know how anything happened to little old them. And it, and it just must have been part of God's plan. And they're just so grateful. And, and that's not really humility. What that is, is that's pride mask in the, in the guise of, of, of false humility. And so he says, I, I, folks, and listen, I assure you that's not what Paul was saying. Paul wasn't saying, well, just little old sorry me and, you know, I'm no good. I assure you that's not what he's saying. I'm going to show you why. For he speaks, he says, for I say through the grace given unto me. What he's doing is he's bearing record of his apostolic calling. That's what Paul's doing. You need to circle that right there so you'll know what he's talking about. For I say through the grace given unto me. What he's doing is he's establishing, listen folks, I'm about to tell you some things and I'm not speaking just off the top of my head. He said, but I'm speaking and I'm bearing record that all the things that you're about to hear and how to apply these scriptures and how to walk these things out, I'm bearing record that these things are going to be spoken through through through, through not Paul who's just your brother or your friend or the guy who just loves Jesus like you do. He said, but I'm about to speak unto you under the auspices of the apostolic calling that God has placed upon you. Why do I say that? Because that word grace, is, it's charis. You know, we talk about the gifts of God. It's those charis gifts. When he's saying he gave, when he had descended upon high, first descended, and when he ascended on high, he gave gifts unto men. He called some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That's it. That gift is the exact same thing. It's that, it's that charis. You know, we also get our word for grace, which is the divine influence of God upon the heart and its reflection in life. But even further than that, it's those grace gifts, those things that he gives us through that influence. But and so it's a call, it's an office, and it's the influence that God has brought into my life for a specific purpose. And so what he's saying, he said, I'm saying this, he said, not just simply as Paul, but rather as Paul the Apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. And folks, there's so much authority, not just in his words, but in the, the office that God called him to. Listen, folks, I, I know what God's called me to. I know I've preached the gospel for many years and, you know, I don't, I don't have to string a name in front of it or whatever else, but I know just out of what God has called me to that there's an authority and there's a strength that comes out of that that if I ever stepped out of that, if I, if I digressed out of what God has called me to do, not operating within the, the parameters of that office, there's no power in it. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because of, I've submitted myself to this grace gift. And I'm personalizing it for you today. That there's an enablement in that. There's things that that that, that Troy cannot do that the, the the man of God Troy can do. Do you hear me? Because it's not based upon my strength. It's not based upon my knowledge. It's not based upon my know-how. It's based because God has imparted unto me something because I've answered the call to that. And you know, folks, a lot of times they'll say, "Well, that's a really great person. Let's get them to do this or that." And uh, or or how did you learn that or whatever else, folks? Listen, I wish I could take credit for for much of what God has shown me. I, I can't take credit for any of it. I really can't. Anything that I have, it's been strictly through the grace, through the care of God, through that, that, that gift, through that influence, through that office that God has called me to in that role. And He's empowered within that role to do certain things. You know, He has measured those things out. He's given those things. So don't, uh, you know, don't just suppose that, that, 
that, that this is some instruction that's given by, that, by this well-meaning Paul. It's really not. It's through that apostolic office. And, and it's, it's, it's one that's called. It's one that's commissioned. It's one sent by God to bring a, a doctrinal direction and, if necessary, a correction to you. And so within this, and what Paul's saying is, listen, as an apostle, he said, listen, my role may be a lot different than your role. He said, my role is I bring doctrinal correction. He said, God has wired me to see things that maybe you won't see at first glance. That God has wired me and enabled me and gifted me and graced me, if, I want to, if you want to use that word once again, uh, within that office, not within my own ability, not within because of the fact that I was a Pharisee of Pharisees or I sat up and studied at the feet of Gamil, but because it, but God, God has given me the apostolic calling. He's saying, listen, God has given me the ability to see and articulate doctrine and to bring correction under those things. And so when he's speaking out of that, he's not saying... It because he's a neat guy that studied at the right place or read enough books or memorized enough scripture. No, he's operating out of that. And you really got to understand that when you're doing it because uh, it's, it's so easy to, to sometimes look. You know what Jesus did? And you see in the 13th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, he began to speak and uh, he began to teach and it said that they marveled at his words. Then it said suddenly they began to, to say to themselves, well, who is this? I want to read that to you. It's interesting. You'll see the same thing happening right here. It's in the 13th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, it's right there at the end. Long, long chapter. Uh, verse 53 of the Gospel of Matthew. And really, you'll see the same thing Paul ran up against. It says, It came to pass that when Jesus had finished these parables, he departed. And he came, uh, and when he was coming to his own country, he taught them in their synagogues, insomuch that they were astonished. They were astonished. He says, Where did this man get this wisdom? And, and where did he get the ability to do these mighty works? Is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother Mary? And his brethren James and, and, and Joseph and, and Simon and Judas and his sisters, are they not also among us? He says, so where has this man come up with all of these things? And they were offended in him. And Jesus said unto them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country and his own house. And he did not many mighty works among them because they're of their unbelief. Folks, it's the exact same thing. You know, I know when I was coming up and God called me to the ministry and, you know, I have brothers that are, that are older than my, myself and my dad is on here listening to us live from, from Texas. And, you know, I'm the youngest of five children and I had older brothers that, you know, here I am in my early 20s, God calling and putting me in an office. And, and as a result of that, having to speak with authority and having to speak with clarity and walking with, with, in God's integrity and God's strength and empowerment. You know what? They, they, you know, they wanted to go back always and say, well, you know, I remember when you were 15 years old. I remember when this and that. They, they didn't want to recognize the, the voice coming out of the office. They would have rather have always isolated me into that picture, that little snapshot of a rebellious teenager. But the person that was speaking to them now wasn't that guy. You hear? And Paul was saying the same thing. He said, the, listen, the person that's speaking to you now is not the one that persecuted the Christians. The person that's speaking to you now is someone that's been set aside, ordained, and given, God has, has given a revelation to and an understanding and a job to speak into your life. So don't think that that's it. Jesus was confronted. Who was he? What office did he hold? The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Creator of all things. But because they wanted to say, oh, I don't want to recognize who he is, his Lordship, well, they did begin to make excuses for that. So Paul, what, basically what he was saying right here, in that I'm speaking to you out of the position of who I am, that grace that has been given unto me, that, that, that power that God's given to me. And, and really, then he goes on to make this very, very pointed uh, uh Statement in this, the next part of the verse, he said to every, uh, to every man that is among you, he said, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. 
Folks, listen, that is definitely the word that the church needs to hear today. I believe it, it is. It is a word that, that, that thinking or that, that, that hooperforneo is the word in the Greek. To think of oneself in vain, arrogantly, in an overestimating way. You know, don't think of yourself. Don't ever overestimate. Don't overestimate who you are. I, I remember sitting at a, at a table one day and uh, uh, Pastor Alex and I, we were sitting there talking to a, to a young man who... Uh, you know, wanted to talk about the Lord. And he's sitting there and he said, you know, he said, you know, he, he, we were giving him some counsel on something. And, and he, made the, the, he made the statement. He said, you know, hey, listen, we're, we're all apostles here. Now, this is a, this is a guy uh, that, that, that hadn't done anything, hadn't raised up churches, hadn't preached, hadn't walked in any consistency in his life. But he was immediately putting himself uh, in that position. And, and we weren't sitting there saying we were apostles or evangelists. We weren't saying we were anything. And he comes in to, to basically, I guess, to squell the authority that was being spoken in his life. He said, hey, we're, we're all the same here. We all hold the same office. We're, we're all the same thing. He hadn't paid the price or walked in character or seen anything happen. What was he doing? He was thinking of himself more highly than he should have thought of himself. And, folks, listen, you, you, we just can't make the habit of doing that. You know, certainly God calls people. He puts people in position. And, and we need to walk uh, in, a, in accordance with those things that God has put. Once you begin to start doing that, it becomes a, an arrogance. When you're walking within the, the parameters of the call, what is it? It's an assurance. When you walk outside of that, it's an arrogance. We need to have the assurance of the office that God's called us to, regardless of it is. If it seems to be a high one, if it seems to be a low one, I have news for you, folks. Listen, the, the higher the office the greater the responsibility, the bigger the workload. If you think that, you know, if I get this certain title, then people are going to be holding an umbrella over my hand and fanning me with palm leaves and putting grape, dropping grapes in my mouth, you're in for another thing. I tell people all the time that leadership is working harder and complaining less. And you guys that I disciple on a regular, you know that I say that. And it is. It's being willing to, to, to sleep less and work more and to complain less and to pray more and to do whatever else to, to lay your life down. Not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to. Don't think that you're untouchable, that, that you're uncorrectable. I tell people all the time, you know, I have people that have submitted to, to, to the ministry and to the office that God has called me to. And I say, you know what? If somebody asks them, well, who do you answer to? They, they, they may say me. But who do I answer to? I answer to everybody. From the, from the least to the greatest. If somebody has a question or wants to challenge something, I say they don't have to, to, to feel like they don't have the right to do that. Anybody has the right to, to come and say, well, you know, Troy Vaughn, I have a problem with what you said biblically. Now, if you have a problem with my personality, I really can't probably do anything about that. If I rub you the wrong way because I grade on you or whatever else, I, I really apologize for that and, I, and, and, I'll, and I'll try to do different. But I'm not going to apologize for the doctrines of the Word of God. And so, folks, listen, because that is what God has entrusted us to do. And that's the, the responsibility. But if you, if you have a doctrinal issue, if you want to take me to Galatians 1 and say, listen, how is it that you're so far removed from this gospel into another gospel? It's not a gospel at all. Paul the Apostle said, listen, if I or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel than the one that you've received, let them be accursed. And I stand here telling the exact same thing. If we deviate from the truth, get on us. Don't let us do that. You're obligated by who you are in Christ Jesus. And so that's definitely a word that needs to be brought into the church. And I see it all the time. And really, and especially in the rank of ministry, that people want to attach a title to themselves to somehow uh, qualify themselves as something that they're not. You know, they, now you can go on the internet and pay twenty nine ninety five, and they'll let you call yourself whatever you want. You can hang all kind of lambskin on your wall. They'll call you a doctor this or bishop that or whatever else. Somehow thinking that that's going to do something to you, folks. Listen, it's not a title. What you do, it's a responsibility. And unless you have the ability to respond through the character and through the righteousness of God, uh, you just need to say, "Well, 
I'm just Joe Christian. I'm just glad to be here. Because once you step into that, what you've done, that's why he tells us in James 4 and 1, he said, don't let many be leaders. Don't let many be, uh, be teachers among you. For upon you is a greater judgment. By walking into that, basically what you've done is you set yourself up for a lot of judgment. And so they may have a title, but they have neither the character or the integrity to validate the title in their own Hooper for nail selves, their own arrogant and prideful selves. And so they may call themselves a prophet, but nobody who knows them or examines their life or ministry ever would call them a prophet. They may call themselves an apostle, but no one else who's seen or judged the fruit of their life would ever look in their life and say, well, that person's definitely that. Folks, listen, there's some things that are better left said by other people than you. I want to say that to you guys in ministry. You know, if you think you need to walk around and say, I'm this or I'm that, or I just want to let you know that I'm a prophet and whatnot, let your, let your prophesying declare that you're a prophet. Let your, let your evangelism declare that you're, you're evangelist. Let your pastoring declare that you're a pastor. Let your, your apostolic work declare that you're an apostle. And what will happen, other people will recognize that, not for the words of your mouth, but for the actions of your hands and whatever else. Then, you're, then you'll be qualified to walk in those things. Let your teaching qualify you as a teacher. Whatever it may be, let your service qualify you as a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not, not the words of your mouth, but let the actions of your hand dictate, amen, what comes out of your heart and life. And so I know people, there's so many people that are, that are looking to be recognized and they think that recognition will somehow give them credibility. You know, they'll say, listen, I need to go to such and such and get this paper or this, this seminary or whatever else is going to give me credibility. Uh, folks, it doesn't give you any credibility with heaven. Well, you know what? I'll be able to get this job. If you're looking for a job, yeah, go get that. Folks, I've never been looking for a job. I'm looking for obedience. I want to do what God's called me to do, regardless of who sees it or who recognizes it or whatever else. Recognition is not designed to bring credibility, but to place upon you responsibility. That's what we do is we recognize, even as a ministry, when we ordain someone into the ministry, we're not, we're not saying, okay, now because we said so, you're ordained. No, what we're saying is God said so, and so we're recognizing what God has done publicly in this, and we're going to hold you responsible to what God has told you to do. That's, what, that's all we can do as, as the servants of the Most High. So many even think if I had a title or an office, then I can sit back and just call the shots while everyone else has to answer to my beck and call. Folks, listen, if you know somebody, if you sit under a ministry or a minister that does that, run for your life because they are not represented. Jesus Christ came not to serve, but not to be served, but to serve. He's the ones that was willing to wash the feet of his disciples. And folks, listen, if you have a minister or a ministry that's not willing to get out there and put their hand to the plow and work and sweat and, and be a part of what God's doing and calling, uh, you don't probably don't have no, uh, no uh, need to follow them. You need to get out there and do what God says. And so uh, leadership, once again, it's working harder and complaining less than other people. You know, Proverbs 16, 1 and 3 says this. It says, the preparations of the heart in man, the preparation of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. In other words, folks, listen, the, the preparation or what God does in, to, to establish you is from the Lord. I know for myself, and I want to I really talk about this, uh, in, in, because many of you folks that are on this, you do have the call of God upon your life. God has called you and raised you up, and it just didn't happen the day that somebody else seen it. It was at work and in, in really long, long before that. I know for myself as a, as a little kid, knowing that God had called me and, and going and hearing the word and just weeping and not knowing why and just having a desire for the things of God and wanting to, to read the scripture and, and reading it and not really totally understanding, but seeing God bring revelation of those same scriptures back years later, things that I'd, I'd read as a, as a kid. And, and, and knowing that, that, that calling and knowing beyond a shadow of death that, that God had called you. But what is that? That's the preparations of the heart of a person. And it's the answer is of the tongue. It's, it's from the Lord. And so when God prepares and my answer is, Lord God, 
I'll do it. It's kind of like Isaiah chapter 6. You know what? He saw the Lord high and lifted up. That he said, I'm unclean. I dwell amongst the unclean people. He said, and God said, who will I send? He said, here am I. Send me. What was that? That, that, that declaration, that answer of his tongue was based upon the preparation. It was based upon the cold of the altar touching his mouth. The preparation was the Spirit of God coming into him. And so, folks, the answer is going to be from that preparation. Some of you guys, and I know you personally, you've thought to yourself, man, it just seems like I've burned so many years. Guys, just listen. Don't ever look at it as wasting the time. That's just been the preparation. And you're going to see all those situations that you've been brought through. <clears throat> Not unlike Joseph when he was hated of his brothers and thrown into the pit and sold into slavery and uh, accused wrongly in Potiphar's house, cast into an Egyptian prison. And finally, what happened? He said the things that you meant for evil, God meant for good. In other words, what he, he declared and what you heard was the answer of his tongue was based upon the preparations of the heart that God had brought into the man. That, you know, Joseph, that he went through those things, he didn't complain. He didn't, uh, he didn't turn back. He said, God, you know what? Whatever you're willing to bring me through, I'm willing to go through and to do. And folks, then it goes on to say right after that in Proverbs 1, 2. He says, uh, 16, 2. He says, and the ways of man are always clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. And so a man always thinks he's, he's better. And that's what Paul said. He said, every man that is among you, don't think of himself more highly than he ought to think. And, and so why? Because the ways of a man are always clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. Then he says in verse 3, and it's so critical, he said, commit your works unto the Lord, and then your thoughts shall be established. Folks, they'll never be established. You'll never be established. Why? Until what? You commit everything that you do unto the Lord. You say, God, I want to trust you with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, all my strength. I want to trust you with all my everything that I do. I want to trust in you. And then what's going to happen? Then my thoughts are going to... My aeon. There's that word again. My, my thoughts are going to be established. My motivations, my aspirations, my desire, my dreams, my inclinations. Everything's going to be established in the Lord. Why? Because I've committed myself. I say, God, you know what? Here I am, whatever the task is, whatever the job, regardless of what it is, how menial it may seem to somebody else. Lord God, I'm going to commit my way into the Lord. That way my thoughts are going to be established. That way if I'm faithful in the small things, <clears throat> then God will make me the ruler over the big things. But folks, listen. Unless you're faithful over what you're going through now, God will never be able to trust you in what He wants to hand to you and make you responsible for later. And I'm not just talking about in this lifetime. I'm talking about for all eternity. This is just the proving ground. What we're going through now, folks, do you not know one day that the Word says that you'll judge angels, that you'll reign with Him as kings and priests? And if He can't trust you not to throw a big fit when things don't go right now, what on earth would He want to trust you for eternity? Do you hear what I'm saying? If, you, if you'll fall apart... Because you don't have enough money in the bank. If you'll fall apart because somebody said something to you wrong now, how do you think that it's going to be an eternity when he's entrusting you to, to cities and to nations? You, you won't be there. You, you'll be departing from it. Folks, so think about that. The things that you're going through now are just done in preparation for the things that God wants you to do for all eternity. Do you hear me? For I say unto you, though the grace given to me to every man that is among you, not to think more highly than himself than he ought to, but think soberly. According to God has dealt to every man according to the measure of faith. And so how does he give that? According to the measure of faith. And so I know that, you know, I can seek after faith, that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. And I've got to believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. My diligence in the word of God is going to produce my faith from the word of God. And so what's that going to do? That's going to bring a measurement. Don't, don't be deceived. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. And so whatever measurement I measure out with is going to be the same measurement that's measured back. And so I want God to deal, deal with me according to that measure of faith that's in my life. Through what? 
committing my works unto the Lord and my thoughts being established through 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 uh, uh, presenting myself as a living sacrifice unto Him, which is my reasonable service to committing my ways unto Him, to to take denying myself and taking up my cross and fall. All those things are working together. What to increase the measurement of our faith. So God can entrust us to do the things that He's called us to do and to be the person that He's called us to be through righteousness. Folks, listen, we are totally, totally out of time this morning. But we're going we're to continue. And uh, in, in, I'm going to touch a little bit more on that uh, verse 3 tomorrow when we have the program. But uh, listen, folks, this is what I said. Read this 12th chapter. This is the instruction book on how to apply and to walk faithfully in all those doctrines that God has given us throughout the world, specifically in this Roman letter. i got one bit of advice for you this morning as we close out. Get into God's Word, and God's Word will get into you.